Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. When we were in the cop shop, Ah, oh, shit. We should, I shouldn't talk about the movie until we're talking about the movie. Yeah, let's do our intro, gentlemen. Hello, everybody. What? I'm introing. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to intro. Is hey. that what this is? Hey, everybody. I thought Tim does the intro. Welcome to Zompocalypse Now. I'm Dustin. And I'm Tim. And my name is Curtis. And... Uh, this this is a very uh, we've entered the the month of June and for those of you who don't know that is usually uh, Gay Pride Month. Uh, it has been circumvented at the moment because you know uh, we're all trapped in quarantine and or the the cities are burning down. Uh, but you know we thought it would be fun to do a couple of uh, to celebrate. Uh, Pride Month here on uh, on Zompocalypse Now by watching some some queer horror films. Oh, and just so the people in the in the far future who uh, found a battery pack and were able to uh, put together a, a computer that would reach a satellite with this on it, <laughs> it is uh, June fifth, and uh, we're currently recording this at about. At about uh, ten forty-four. Right, uh, June fifth, twenty twenty, and twenty twenty is going to be yes, important. That's an important thing to know because how you know you have to to be aware that we are uh, like literally in the middle of the apocalypse. Since all the history books have been burned, you're probably going to want some background. That's yeah. all I'm saying. On the other hand, these folks in the far-flung future will sit there and go, wait, people had an issue with the police? <laughs> God, black, well, you know... Black people felt marginalized? God, I hope that, I hope that that's the truth. I Wouldn't hope that be that, nice? This is the future that we should be envisioning for crying yes. out loud. I'd like that future to be a lot earlier. Yeah, this is a strange time. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly, now, for those of you who listen to the show know that we're actually spread out. Uh, I'm in Kansas City. Um, uh, Dustin is, is down in, in Texas. Uh, Curtis is in Western Kansas right now. No, uh, it's not Salina. It's Wester than that. Wester. <laughs> so you think you know Western Kansas. Go further west. Nope, you've gone too far. You're in Colorado. Come back, come back, come back. There you go. Five steps right. back here. You go. <laughs> it, but, but certainly, you know, wherever you are in the country right now, you're probably, you know, your community probably right now is dealing with with what's going on right now with the protests and 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 the pandemic that is still not gone. I mean, we are still we are still dealing with it. People are still getting sick and dying in the middle of all of this. It's a rough rough time and I'm I'm not going to speak for Dustin and Curtis uh, just because they're their own people and they can say this too if they want, but you know, I mean I I shouldn't have to say that black lives matter at this point. Uh, nobody should have to say that right now, but but here's I mean, but unfortunately, we're at a point in our in in our country's history where to say it is probably the most important thing that we can do. 
to say Black Lives Matter and to mean it and to to understand that you know people that have that are part of our country, people that that were enslaved and built our country for free, have never been treated like they belong here and have always been treated uh, the second class citizens. And it's not okay. And it, we, nobody should be accepting of it and nobody should be, uh, uh, everybody should be angry now about this should have been angry for a long time about this. Well, I'll tell you what's making me angry right now. Um, is, you know, being in Western Kansas, it is like everybody's saying all lives matter. And I just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that's, I think that's a selfish point of view and you should go fuck yourself. Right. I think one of the best, uh, one of the best answers I've ever seen to that is the, you know, is the, you know, your, if you were, if your child was in, in cancer treatment and you were trying to talk to someone about your child being in cancer treatment and fighting for their life and trying to uh, explain to them how hard that was and how much, you know, pain it was causing you and your family. And the person looked at you and said, well, all children are precious. Yeah. It's like, yes, Yes, that's true. But right now, my child is in crisis. You yeah. know, and if you're if you're online, like so many people are, you you may have seen a a illustration that's making the rounds right now too, which is the all houses matter. Uh huh. Which is is a variation on that very theme. Um, the one thing that is, you know, we, you and I have a good friend who has been out in the protests here in Kansas City quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, uh, very, very involved. A lot of, a lot of people I know are out there. Uh, and it's, it's a, on one hand, it actually seems to be making some change. There is, uh, the, the fact that people are recording, there's a, there's a lawyer that I follow on Twitter, uh, who has, he's a defense lawyer and he's a conservative. Uh, and he has been documenting, he's got a, he's basically been running a, video clips, of every time the police, somebody records the police hurting some, hurting a protester um, or attacking someone without cause or all these things. And he's in 200 something now, I mean, which is appalling. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I would rather watch that than a peaceful thing. I think I would be terribly bored just watching the Kumbaya guys. Well, I, I went to Wimberley, uh, my my community had its its protest, uh, mm-hmm. and it was actually, uh, you know, I mean, my my kids and like five other people are the only black people <laughs> in Wimberley, but so it was it was about 150 people, and it was mainly white people, and you know, it but it was more peaceful, and and the community seemed to be behind it, which I really I really appreciated, and um, I'm. I'm hope I like you said I hope that this is I like you said I really do hope that this is the start of of something good. It fe- it feels like it to me in my circle and everything. I you know, I don't want 
you know, my friends and everybody and everybody who's involved to forget in a few months, uh-huh. you know, and oh, just I don't think they start it back up again when we, when we are reminded. I think it's going to get better, but it's going to take a great big wave, a great big wave to wash over this place. Uh-huh. Well, and I think I think we're seeing some of that. I, there's some good news out of New York. I saw today uh, the Manhattan District Attorney has announced that they are not going to be charging protesters who have not committed a clear crime with anything, unless they have actually, you know, if they are if they're protest-related charges um, that are do not involve, you know, committing property damage or hurting somebody else. If they've just been arrested because they were protesting, they're not going to be charged with a crime. Um, and that uh, that's that right now, I think, is uh, hopefully the start of what we'll see uh, a lot of that across the country, because there's just, you know, pesky First Amendment right we have to do mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So um, anyway, yes, yes. So anyway, yes, we decided that uh, it would be fun to to see what some of the queer horror was. And uh, our first movie, the one we decided to start with, is a little is a is a little gem of a movie called Hellbent. Yeah, this film came out two thousand eight, two thousand and four. Oh, uh, and it's a relatively short film. It's only about an hour and fifteen minutes, it, and it clips right along. Right, which means we're going to spend two and a half hours. On yeah, it. <laughs> you guys have heard our show before, right? You probably yeah. saw this coming. Strap in, everybody. I thought. I don't think I generally I don't think that this movie was I mean I, clearly it was made for a demographic right and I don't think it represented that demographic very well truthfully really well I I would I would go on the opposite side of that this film was obviously made for a demographic and I think that it 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 represented that demographic just on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have things to learn about demographics. I yeah. accept it. Well, uh, there's, a, there's a fair, you know, there, this is an interesting thing here because generally when we talk about these kind of, when Dustin and I have been talking about this stuff uh, in the past, we haven't really had a lot of films or TV shows where, first of all, there have been a lot of gay characters. Mm. That just hasn't, I mean, there just isn't. Uh, and most most gay characters in horror tend to fall in the uh, well, it's like it's like a black character in horror. They mm-hmm. fit a certain stereotype. They're there for you know usually to die. That's usually the plot. You know they're right. they're not the main character. They might be a friend of the main character, but they're they're cannon fodder, essentially. And and to have a film like this where all the main characters are gay, where basically it's you know there's there's no attempt to basically go outside of this core group of gay characters. But Curtis and I aren't gay. So we don't have the, the, I mean, aside from the fact that we have friends and family who are. I guess the question is, uh, is, is this movie uh, relatable to people outside mm-hmm. a demographic? Well, I remember when this movie came out and, uh, and I read in, in, in queer, you know, queer, queer media loves to talk about, Queer things, and and when you know a movie like this comes out, there were uh, interviews with the director and with the cast, and and one of the things that the director said 
in uh, these interview in an interview that I read was that he wanted to invoke that feeling. We actually talked about this while the movie was on. He wanted to invoke that feeling of early '80s, like '90s horror, uh, where it's you know the characters are fleshed out and um, it's like a cons- but it's also a consistent body count. You know, it's it's beat 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 beat, and you're not you're not sitting there like trying to you know were you're like oh this is so boring or oh do I have to watch you know uh, these you know gay guys frolic around for fifteen and there was some of that there was a portion in the in the early middle of the movie that was basically a music video and that was. I remember it being the most boring part when I watched it the first time back in nineteen or two thousand five, and it was the most boring part again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I say that it fits the demographic because the main characters in this film are four young twenty two, twenty three year old gay guys who they just want to have fun, they just want to party. They're all really, you know, conventionally attractive. Uh, and they fit into the the you know the stereotypes. There's the jock, there's the slutty one, there's the kid who like just moved from Kansas or whatever, and then there's the mom of the group. Joey is the kid, Chaz is the slutty one, Eddie is the mom, and then the other one's name I forget. Jake. Jake, and Jake is the jockey one and it's halloween and they are going to go out to a big street carnival and have a great time being young and hot and dumb and hot this movie felt to me like the way for you if somebody sat you down and said we're gonna watch hard bodies and then do a review on it But see, I love that kind of movie. Like that is not. I love this kind of movie too. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think my old age is affecting me in a way because I felt I felt like these actors were being exploited a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that is not really a thing. I mean, how do you really. how do you say exploited? Well, you know, like when you talk. <laughs> Like back in the '90s and '80s, when the when someone would be ca- like a female would be cast in a film, and then you know three quarters of the way in the production, they spring a, a topless scene. On, oh yeah, you know. Like well, I mean, right. with men, I think it's different because because it's there's not the same taboo with a man taking off his shirt. Ain't nobody or, showing their balls in this movie, so I don't no. feel yeah. like yeah. They all have ripped just specimens of physical achievement and uh man those guys were in shape they yeah. have fake muscles but you know well i mean they're gym muscles gym muscles yes um so the movie starts like a lot of really good slasher movies start with uh a couple frolicking out in the dark and they go and you know get in the car and they're making out and they're trying to kind of get it on uh uh, but, you know, I don't know how many times this has happened to you. The balloons that they brought with them are all in the way. <laughs> the Halloween balloons. Yes, Halloween balloons. Which I was not aware was a thing. I was not aware that was a thing either. I've been annoyed by glitter, but never 
and never balloons. <laughs> so uh, one of them gets the bright idea to stick his head out the passenger side window and let the other one blow him while he's like half out of the car. Got to look at the moon while you're getting them blowies. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, if you're given the opportunity, I'm sure that's extremely fun. Um, but, you know, I, but then again, on the other hand, like the window probably cuts into your back and, you know. Well, and we're in the middle of this scene and I sit there and go and acts out of nowhere. Yes, And then exactly. promptly. <laughs> the killer who is uh, is wearing a metal devil horn mask. Uh, and it's like, you know, very leather daddy um, built, like built and hairy and hot in his own right, shows up and cuts the guy's head off. And the practical effects in this movie are also very good. At this point, they really were. But at this point in the movie, we don't know why he's murdered these guys. Right. Actually, we don't ever get a really good reason why. Mm -hmm. It's a very Michael Myers style killer. He does not give you any reason why he's doing the things that he's doing. You don't even have any lines. Yeah, it really was. I mean, Michael Myers, this is like a, it's almost a rewrite really, because it takes place on Halloween. There's a mass character with no name and no history, no background and no motive. And there's several people who, when they have sex, they die after. Right. Well, and, oh, and, God. and to some degree, exactly this is exactly Halloween. The- this is some degree what the people behind it were, were trying to do because yeah. the folks who actually produced this did things like Fade to Black and Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 and Children of the Living Dead and other. I mean, they, these are. Oh, do, you think, do you think this was a Halloween movie script to begin with? Because well, the director wrote it. Well, yeah, no, um, he, had, uh, uh, he had written a, I guess, a romantic, a, a, a romantic comedy script for them that they had seen and they thought, we're going to make this movie. Let's see if this guy can write the feature. And so he wrote his first feature. This is his first feature and the first feature film he directed. Um, and they wanted a Halloween type movie. And uh, uh, in an interview, he said that he's not really a big slasher film, horror film. He likes more psychological than, than the, the blood and gut stuff. And so he was trying to find a balance with the gore here with the kind of stuff that he would be okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a certain stylized nature to the gore. As there is with a lot of slasher movies. I mean, this we can talk about this more later, but this is in many ways a, and a, this isn't a criticism, but it's pretty much a paint-by-number slasher movie. Right. And that's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. No, I think they executed it pretty well. Uh, we meet our first main character, Eddie. And Eddie is a tech at the police station. He works in a service role at the police station. Um, and he's fixing somebody's computer and his sister comes up and she's a full-fledged cop and she, she drops the murder fixture, pictures in his lap and is like, hey, some guys got killed last night and here's some gory pictures for you to look at. And he's like, oh, gross. And uh, they have some little sibling banter, which is really cute. Then the chief calls him in and it's like, hey, Eddie, I know you're gay and you're going to go to the big gay carnival at Gay Town tonight. And, <laughs> That's exactly uh, what I was thinking, too. This guy's like really leaning into him being gay right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, will you please distribute these flyers about how there's a gay killer out killing gays? And Eddie's like, sure. Um, can I wear a cop's uniform? And the... the- <laughs> 
the the she's like, mm, but then he's like, well, can I wear my dad's old uniform as a Halloween costume? And he's like, I suppose I'll allow it. <laughs> and so we get this really like a mini, like super mini montage of uniform. And it's like really too tight on him. Obviously he's bigger than his father. His father was <laughs> apparently a very small man. Right. And uh, so it's like, you know, it fits him very like strippery. <laughs> and so he goes uh, out to distribute these flyers. And while he's out distributing these flyers, he sees a guy come out of a tattoo parlor with his shirt off. And he's like a really hot, like really rough trade looking dude. And for those of you who don't know what rough trade is. <laughs> What is yeah. rough trade? Rough trade is a straight appearing, straight acting, grizzly looking guy who uh, who looks like he could kind of throw you around a little bit. He's you know? a bad boy. He's got the he's got the you know he's the he's the dangerous guy. Yeah, he's like he looks like like they just got out of jail kind of yeah. He this guy was biker rough trade. Yeah, I imagine there's like lumberjack rough trade oh yeah there's there's all sorts of there's also i mean oh oh curtis scientist rough trade if no that would not exist uh <laughs> but if you could go like it, there are so many different insane categories would be would a bear be considered rough trade not always okay and then leather is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. Leather, leather daddies and le people who are into leather are not considered rough trade. Okay. So it's anyway. So this, so Eddie gets all hot and bothered and crosses the street and he goes uh, into the tattoo parlor. Starts lurking. Yes. <laughs> stalks this guy into the tattoo parlor to, uh, so that he can watch him be tattooed with his shirt off. And he's so bad at it. He like trips and falls and, and uh, he like is, you know, leering obviously. And then he's like, Hey, uh, there were these two guys murdered and, uh, <laughs> you know, can I hang up a flyer in here? And the lady at the time is like, yeah, I guess. Oh so, man, he's just so excited about the murders too. He's like, Hey, two guys were murdered. Hey, did you, get, <laughs> you guys check it out. <laughs> well, right. we should definitely point out that at this point in the film, with the exception of the fact that this is a this is a gay male character here who is who is you know from at this point very much apparently going to be our main character, everything that happens could have been could have happened to a female character in this role or a straight right. male character. There's no aside from the fact that there's a point of him being you know made that he's gay that his sister teases him about you know the photos that he's looked at it on the computer and. And the police chief is, is clearly, you know, has no sensitivity training. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it, aside from those particular things, we're not seeing anything so far that would not be what you, you know, the same plot points, the same type of character development that you would see from any other slasher film at this point. Right. So I'm saying this was a Halloween movie up until this point. This is my theory that I'm working on right now. We'll see if we can smash it. Okay. So um, he, Eddie leaves, but he lurks around and kind of waits for this guy to come out. And while he's doing it, he's trying to, like, shoot baskets. And he's super-duper bad at it. Like, 
incredibly bad. He's not very talented, it no. seems. Well, and, and there's a reason for that, but we'll get into that later because it's actually a yeah. plot point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so the guy oh, comes out. Yeah. See, now it makes sense and is kind of funny. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And, uh, and he's like, hey, uh, you know about the killings? I just wanted to make sure you knew about the killings. And the guy's like, yeah, I know about you. You were just telling us about them. What, what else are you going to tell me about it? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. It'll blow the investigation. And he's like, okay, bye. And then he's like, they cut their heads off. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please, please just look. Just look at me. <laughs> and uh, uh, the guy's like, okay, bye. And so now we get uh, uh, our, our weird uh, introduction to our, our other characters. And he walks up to a Jeep and it is a rockin'. But Eddie does decides he's going to do some a knockin'. Because inside is Chaz, the slutty one, and he is in the process of having sex with a couple, a man and a woman. And uh, Chaz is also Eddie's roommate. Sometimes you just got to flatten the backseat in your 1963 Jeep Cherokee. Yeah. Go nuts. And do what comes natural. <laughs> So we've met Chaz, the slutty one, and they go inside the diner, and we meet Joey, the the kid. He's a, a really cute little nerdy guy. And then later, uh, in comes Toby. Toby is the jockey one, but he's not jockey tonight. He is dressed in drag for Halloween, and it is not good. Oh no! Well, this is this is. 2004 this is before rupaul's drag race came and changed the game yeah so this is just this this yeah this was yeah but the (laughs) but that guy his face just doesn't work no well and they make no attempt to they make no attempt to to hide the fact that he cannot walk in heels well right Well, it's well, like, I'm a beginner, and this is what a beginner looks like. Right. Well, and the funny thing about it is that he's supposed to be, the point is, is that he's like a really sexy, like model type jockey guy, and he thought it would be fun to dress in drag. Well, well it looked like a hoot. It looked like a hoot, but he is discovering, he, this is the beginning of him discovering that it is not, in fact, a hoot, um, because every fashion thing that exists for women is uh created to torture them yes and and of course he has discovered that with high heels which he does not like <laughs> and, and so he's you know uh so they're gonna go and do the thing those are like size 14 high heels oh, yeah. too <laughs> big yeah and they're not they're just big. heels they're the big you know uh it's like acrylic stiletto acrylic but yeah, three inch, three or four inch base on those things. They should have had a goldfish swimming in them. <laughs> yeah. Um. So our four heroes head off to the carnival, but they stop at the place where the couple at the beginning of the movie got killed. Because isn't it spooky? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Another one. It's another. It's another trope that is just pretty well executed. I thought. Yeah. Well, and, and we need to make, we need to be, you know, Dustin's description of who these characters are in terms of, of but in, in terms of the horror tropes, you've got the slutty, the slutty best friend. Right. Eddie isn't the virgin, uh, but he's got aspects of, 
you know, the the innocent hero heroine. Yeah, he's the he's the final girl. And uh, the keeper. Uh, Joey is very much the virgin character, very much the the geeky nerdy character who has no right has, doesn't have any experience. He's so geeky and nerdy, he's going to try to get the phone number for the captain of the football team. Yes. And it's it's so very much your, you know, whether it's the getting the, the little the little geeky girl getting the captain of the football team's number or the little geeky guy getting the head cheerleader's number or anything like that. It's very much that that character in horror. And and Toby is your jockey friend. It's right. the you know, the, the the not big dumb jock, but basically he's the, you know, the 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 big handsome sporty one, you know, here playing that role but also playing it behind a in drag right so these are very much recognizable horror tropes in these characters again things you expect to see yep Mm -hmm. so they head off to they they get to the place where the uh the murders happened and uh the killer is actually still kind of lurking around and they decide to go walk through the woods and (laughs) And you know, because that's always the best thing to do. And they stop to have a pee, and the killer is like lurking, and they see him. And this is that point in the horror movie where the ki- where the characters do that stupid thing that puts them on the radar. They see the guy, and they're like, "Hey, let's you know, you're you're lurking in the woods. Look at our boots!" And they all like pull their pants down and show their asses to the killer. That really makes that guy mad. Oh, apparently. Yeah. Well, dare they show me their butts? Right. I'm going to murder them with my little sickle. Right. He's got a sickle. That's what he kills people with. And this, and and because we don't get a lot of motivation on this killer, we don't actually get the reason why there's murdering. Um, this is kind of the only way we have of connecting what happens to these characters because of this killer it seems to be this instance. I mean, this is the way that they become the target, but we never do actually get an explanation as to, is he just targeting gay, gay men or were the first two murders that we saw convenience? Yeah. We don't ever, I mean, there, there seems to be, and then later there's some moments later in the film we can talk about too, where how he interacts with some of these characters before he kills them might give a little motivation, but it's hard to tell. I mean, they, they, they deliberately don't give you a lot of information about the killer. Nary a one of these guys could do the math about any of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they head off to the party, and they're having a great time, and then Eddie sees the rough trade guy from before, and he's going into a place called Meat. <laughs> <laughs> but of course well, it is. Welcome to meet. And so, so Eddie's like, "Hey, we've got to go to meet." And and uh, Toby's I like, "I want to go to diamonds." No, we're going to meet. And and Toby's like, "I am dressed as a woman." And they're like, "No, we're going." <laughs> <laughs> so they all go into meet, and this is where we have the super insanely boring. Like we hear the whole punk rock screen core queer song where it's the guy it sings about you know getting a blowjob or something and then oh Joey he's gets, wanking it and spanking it and yeah and, and yeah it's just awful it's, it's bad it's so bad i was that was a big question is is 
it's like is there like a, a genre of pop music or rock music that is like overtly sexual like even from the like 80s when that was what everybody was doing well i mean you know yeah i mean you think about i want uh, you know i want candy is a song about Blow that jobs. was a, that was a metaphor though. This guy's yeah. saying, "I'm gonna suck your balls, then I'm gonna whack it, then I'm gonna crank it." Then yeah, I, I gotta get the album. Well, right. I, if if this was if this had been a good song, the lyrics we probably sat there and went, "This is a really good song about you know masturbation and blowjobs." It would have been it would have been a you know a right. very but no, the music is bad. And the singing is bad. And dude, this is a problem dude. this movie has. Its soundtrack is so hardcore and so like screaming that you just I don't know. It was it was bad. I was not happy with it. Yeah, the, the soundtrack of this film is just not. I mean, one thing you can say about the '80s and '90s slasher films is that a lot of times they had really great heavy metal soundtracks. Yeah, uh, some of which are bands who only existed for the soundtrack the um, supreme heavy metal soundtrack for a movie was uh was that uh stephen king movie about the truck maximum oh uh, maximum uh, overdrive. oh yeah it's, it's the best soundtrack in in horror i think it's a, an example of the soundtrack is better than the movie in fact <laughs> i mean it's a great soundtrack it's a terrible film yep that's what everybody knows about that movie. Nobody could tell you what it's about. Never, never mind. I digress. <laughs> it happens. Meanwhile, Eddie goes to talk to the rough trade guy, and the, the the guy his name's like Josh or something. Jake. Jake. Whatever. Jake. Jake. And he's just like <laughs> such an asshole. And he, he really like, is. He, he, you know, is like, you never hit on guys before, have you? And Eddie's like, oh, you. <laughs> it's, yeah. but, but this is still one of those scenes that, again, if you were just to swap out, you know, make it just a standard boy-girl horror film moment, it literally is the, I'm the bad boy, sexy guy, and you're the, you know, the, the cute girl who's, uh, you know, uh, so a little awkward. In this case, you know, Eddie is kind of the, a little bit awkward, you know, guy. Yeah. And, and you have this sort of, it's a meet cute moment where they is actually like, you know, you've never hit on a guy before we have you. And Eddie's like, well, not really. And he's like, Oh, I never I'm, have in. Well, club. I'm sure. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm sure that Eddie does not frequent meet. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling that, that Eddie is much more comfortable uh, down the street in, in like, Vesper, or you know, like you know, the I think, outside, I think outside of the carnival, meat probably doesn't exist as a thing, <laughs> not in that form, anyway. Well, anyway, they're not calling it meat, they're calling it something else, <laughs> right? So, while Eddie is badly trying to uh to hook up with Jake. Um, Joey has seen the jock from across that he wants across oh, yeah. the bar. Who's he hanging out with? Dumb, his, his dumb friends. Got a posse going. Yeah. His guys who play, probably play, uh, gay, gay, uh, rugby with him. Oh no. These are clearly lacrosse players. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so 
So Joey, who is adorable, by the way. I mean, you know, he's just the cutest. He's a little cutie patootie. Goes over there to try and uh, get this guy's number. And it goes so badly because he's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Joey and I'm adorable. And he's like, well, I don't do adorable. I'm too, I'm too hot and popular for adorable. So Joey's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go and throw myself off a bridge. Mm-hmm. Now, he does manage to give the, the jock his card. <laughs> I mean, he's got a card. He gives it right to him. And he's like, oh, look, it's pre-printed. It's like, yeah, shut <laughs> up, asshole. Um, and, it's, and, and I got to give, you know, Joey, Joey reacts as best as you can in a situation like this where right. you're, you're, you're going up to the person that you are just, you know, you think they're amazing and wonderful and you want to get with them so bad. And they just brush you off. And he's like, okay, well, have a great night. And I'm like, I have been in this situation so many times oh, yeah. when I was younger. Doesn't it make you want to do it to somebody? But then no. if, you, if you do, if you do, you'll blow it though. I mean, uh-huh. but then he, you know, as soon as he gets away and he gets back with, you know, he, uh, and, and Chaz is there and he's like, he's like, how you doing? He goes, I got to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that's it exactly. I mean, yeah. And so Ch- Chaz takes him to the bathroom, to a to a pr- secret bathroom that Chaz knows about, because of course Chaz knows about the secret bathroom. And it's the doing drugs in a weird way bathroom. Right. Because they walked fairness, in on two guys doing drugs in a weird way. But in all, all fairness to Chaz here, again, he's been set up as the slutty friend who's kind of a jerk, but here he is going out of his way to make sure that his friend who is you know, clearly embarrassed and doesn't feel well. And it's covered in fake blood from an earlier scene. Um, <laughs> he clearly goes out of his way to take care of his friend here. I mean, they're, yeah. they actually set up, they actually set up that these guys are friends. Yeah. Even though they've got these different character moments. And, and this, this is something this film does better than a lot of eighties and nineties slasher movies where you're wondering why the hell these kids are even friends mm-hmm. because they clearly how, yeah. don't How did you them. get a dumb blonde, a jock, a nerd, and this virgin together? How did that happen? Like, right. you know, how are they all friends? They're not. I think they, they probably did quiz bowl together in high school. <laughs> <laughs> And here they actually managed to make it work a little bit. And I think some of that, and Dustin, you could probably you know speak a lot better about this than I can. But in my gay friends in high school and college were often friends or friendly with other people, other gay and lesbian uh, kids because they were gay and lesbian kids. Yeah. Because you know you were you it, it was a way to bond with somebody because you felt like an outsider. Well, and uh, that continues. That continues for your whole life. One of my really good friends when I lived in Kansas City uh, was a guy named Jake. And I, that's how I used to say his name, too. Jake. Um, Wait, and it, it, Jake, Jake was the, the, the little guy in great shape? Yeah. 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 Okay, I remember, I remember he Jake. Was, yeah. yeah, he was so good looking and in such good shape. And he was like 22 years old. And But somehow we, we both went to the same church and somehow he and I became friends. And not just like, oh, you know, hi at church kind of friends, like really good friends. We hung out a lot. Mm-hmm. And there were times yeah. where I would be like, how did I become friends with this little twunk? <laughs> which is, which would, if you don't know, a twink is a very boyish slender pretty gay 
and like uh, like twelve year old pretty kind of kind of yeah okay, okay. and then uh, you know then a hunk is of course a you know muscular like sure. you know hunky guy and then a twunk is when you combine those two things and he's tiny and he's kind of slight but he's like super jacked oh I know what you mean yeah right. there was so, a dude like that who was an extra on uh, next gen yeah. And yeah, so and Jake was just awesome, and we were friends for for like I mean we're still obviously friends, but you know hang, like constant hanging out friends for like three years, and every once in a while he'd like convince me to go out to Missy's or whatever, which was the gay is the gay club in Kansas City, and I'd be like, oh why am I here? And oh god, Jake's dancing with his shirt off again, you know. <laughs> so that I understand that kind of friendship, that camaraderie from that you get from having a common, you know, a commonality like that, even though, even if that's not your full, like reason you're, you know, like the only thing you have in common or whatever. Right. And, and I think that that actually works in favor for this film because it makes these different personalities feel more cohesive than a lot of just standard issue horror films where yeah, you're right. Why is why is the prom queen hanging out with the science geek? What right. is the, how is this? I mean, it happens in real life because you you make friends with who you make friends with, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's such a cliche of horror films that here they play with these same characters, but they make it work better. Yeah. If they really do. I was really kind of surprised how much that, that this worked here. And, and the funny thing about it is that the way that they introduce these four guys makes you care about them really fast because they are so easily friends. They, they are so obviously friends and obviously care about each other and have a good time together that when, you know, so Joey is in the bathroom and he asks for some privacy because he wants to clean himself off and Chaz leaves. And when Chaz leaves the bathroom, all three of us were like, Oh no. Run, Joey. Run. <laughs> don't, Run. don't kill Joey. He's so yeah. nice. <laughs> we like Joey. Uh, and and but of course, you know, he is is being stalked by a serial killer now, and it is a slasher movie. So he is slashed. <laughs> pretty yeah. pretty graphically. He's grabbed and choked and and uh, and then his head is cut off and he's left in a in a stall. And, and the effect here where you've got this headless corpse, um, aside from a, a bit of humor, which plays out a couple minutes later, which I'm not sure how I feel about, the actual kill sort of, it's not that the kills happen off screen, because they don't. You actually see mm -hmm. the, the blade, you know, slash throats and things like that. But the way it's shot, it's gory without being excessively gory it's a weird i mean i, th I thought it was interesting and again th coming back to what the director had said about not you know him not being a fan of, of gory horror you get your bloodletting but the way it's filmed is that a lot of it sort of happens not entirely off frame but it's diminished in the second mm -hmm. you see the result more than you see the actual blow right right um so that i thought that was an interesting and, it, and, it, and I, th I think overall it works pretty well but it's, it's one of the things you notice throughout the film is that most of the time you don't actually see the actual act of a head getting cut off or a slash. You see the blade, then you see the, the, the wound on the skin. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it also is a way to, you know, keep costs down too. This, right. The budget on this film was not large. Oh, we, I, I forgot. So before Joey is killed, his jock wannabe lover walks in and they have a very sweet moment where the jock is like, my friends are jerks and I'm really sorry. And I want to, I'd like to see you. I want to, you know, I'd like to get to know you. And they, they kiss and it's very sweet. And then Joey dies. Um, but I say, I go back and say that because it explains later when Chaz shows up where Eddie is, Eddie and Jake are, uh, Eddie is mad because Chaz left Joey and Chaz is like, no, he's fine. He's with his guy. He, you know, he won, he won the night, like let him have his fun. And uh, so I was like, oh, fine. You can have his fun. And so they, that explains why they don't worry too much about Joey as the rest of the movie unfolds. Well, I thought that was a good one. Good way to do it too. Well, and, and there it's set up rather well in terms of all of them. In a lot of in a lot of slasher movies, people wander off for really really dumb reasons. But these guys are at a party. Yeah, they're at a party where they everyone everyone expects Chaz to hook up at the party, Nobody, which he does at least three times. And I, I've seen I've seen people, you know, friends of mine go home with people. I'm like, maybe you should not a, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they do anyway. And then at that point, you got to go, okay. You're a grown adult. You. It's on you now. And that's yeah. another thing about this, this movie when it compared to other slashers. These characters are not teens. They're all in their 20s. So yeah. there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's not that. that While well, Eddie is the mother of the group, and he wants everybody to stick together, and he like, has a plan and all that stuff. And I'm sure that if he wore a fanny pack, it would have hand sanitizer in it. Uh, he, you know, he accepts that they are all grown adults and if they want to go off with some dude and party, then he is going to let them do it. Yeah. And, and like I said, we see Chaz do that at least three times in the movie. He, he's at one point, he's sniffing Coke off a chick's boobs and he follows another, like before he leaves Joey, he follows another guy into another dark corner, you know? He's, he's, he's having a great night. Well, and he's also an example of a character you don't see a lot in in regular horror films at all, which is the the bisexual character who's not making a big deal about it. Yeah, it's just I mean it's 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 just this is a thing. This is who the character is, and they move on. It's not like did you hear he was with a girl? It was you know yeah, but, it, yeah, but his behavior wasn't exactly healthy behavior. Well, but that's where it leads. He was, to he's working some shit out, I think. Oh, but he's like, well, maybe. <laughs> but but he's oh, also, you know, this is also, all Curtis. <laughs> this is also just an example of the the slasher film core concept that sex equals death. Mm. I mean, it, it's the same thing with every slasher movie: is that every one of these characters either uh, it has sex or is about to have sex or is thinking remotely about sex in a vague and undefined way. Cause it doesn't matter. It's just the killer. The, the killer hates anybody else having a good time. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That's the slasher mentality is if I can't I hate, get laid, I hate seeing butts so much. Yeah. If I can't get laid, nobody else is. <laughs> right. Um, Kill every butt that I see. Right. 
So um, the next thing that happens is Eddie and Jake are kind of flirting and and uh, and they talk about guns for some reason. That's their sexy talk. And and so J- Eddie says, look, I used to shoot a lot, but I, I don't shoot anymore. I I kind of suck at it now. And and and, and Jake's like, oh, I want to see this. And so they go to one of the booths, one of the arcade booths. And uh and Jake shoots first the BB gun. It's the BB gun where the thing comes at you. It's kind of like a like a uh, target shooting thing. And right. it's and very reminiscent of a police range. Yeah, but the, but the target's like a devil and a Halloween yeah. thing. So so Jake shoots first, and he's pretty good. And then Eddie shoots, and he misses the target completely, and like even almost hits the attendant. You only got one eye. What do you expect? Right. Well, that's when we find out. That's when it's explained that he had an accident and he has lost his depth perception and uh, he can't do that sort of stuff anymore. He's bad at it. So they have a little flirty time and uh, Chaz decides he wants to go dancing. And do ecstasy. And do more. Yes, do ecstasy. Oh, he's doing all the drugs. Yes, he's coke and ecstasy, and this proves to be an issue. Yes, and more. Meanwhile, uh, Toby is having a really bad night because even though he said at the very beginning of the night that he was taking himself out of the game and didn't want people to hit on him or didn't want to have have sex or whatever, no one is looking past the drag at him. They're just seeing the dr- the drag and nobody is paying any attention to him and okay. he's very irritated by this and i this this is this is the one part of these character interactions that honestly felt weird to me because it's a halloween party and the fact that a guy in drag looking to hook up at a halloween party and can't who looks like he does even in drag, I mean, that jawline isn't going away. Right. That smile, those eyes, he looks, you know, he's... No, oh, it is now. He's like 40. He's an objective... Well, maybe. But he's, a, you know, he's an objectively good-looking guy. Um, and at a Halloween party, people are going to sit there and go, oh, no, he's dressed in drag. No, thank you. Uh, I mean, it's I, like, really? Are we sure? As far as the actor, I looked him up, and I can, I can say that he is a working actor. Nothing extraordinary, but mm-hmm. a good working actor. Well, can't complain about being a good working actor if that's your if that's your life. Yep, they, he's made, he's having a profession. Good for him. Yeah, I just I mean like I said I just I just thought it was a little. I mean I I get what they're trying to go for there. It was it'd be kind of like you know having this character be a beautiful woman dressed in you know a male tuxedo going no guys looking at me. It's like, um, are, are except, you sure? Except, like, that's one of those weird things about like gay culture. We like drag queens are are seen as essentially entertainment or clowns. They're not seen necessarily as you know men when they're in drag. They're seen as the entertainment. Yeah, that's and a character that they're portraying. Playing, and so. Well, I don't think it would necessarily, I, I can see why he would have people just like looking past him because they're not seeing the person, they're seeing a drag queen. It's like I, this. It's like this. It's like going to the Renaissance Festival 
and having one of the players engage you in a conversation, it's right. kind of like that. Because you don't and you're like, oh no, please and, don't. And if, yeah. this, and if this was a cl- if this was a club, it was a drag, you know, a drag review or you know, a regular. But it's a Halloween party. Everybody's dressed up in costume. I just, I don't know. I just, like I said, it, it felt weird to me that people would sit there on this at this kind of party, where people are dressed up in a costume of some kind for someone to, you know, have that kind of reaction. Just felt weird to me. As mm. and again, you know, straight. Middle-aged straight white guy. I tell you. And no. but the thing here's the other thing. He was really just he, I he wasn't he wasn't fully committed mm-hmm. because he's still like I'll tell you what. When we get to the bar, we'll probably get some ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all, of course he's not committed. He's not. He's he's not. He's not a drag queen. He's but, a but guy I think- in drag on Halloween. It's. It's not the same thing. But I will say it gives us like his his kill is one of the best one is like the yes. best one in the movie because of this because yes. he can't get anybody to even like look at him he, when he goes it's the best one one hundred percent because yep. um so Chaz is killed next and he's dancing on the dance floor and there's strobe lights going off and he's having a great time but then he he sees the killer coming. And he like tries to get away, but he's on, in a full dance floor and he can't. And uh, the killer kills him on the dance floor during the strobe lights. And, you know, it was one of those really great, like you can't really see what's happening kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. where everything is stroby. And, and then when he's killed and decapitated, it's almost like no one even noticed. Well, it's a Halloween party. I mean, we, they, we just had a scene earlier in the film where they faked a dismemberment as part of the entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how many, how, nope, none of these people have any reason to think that someone's going to get murdered on the dance floor. It can't possibly right. be real. <laughs> Ballsy move, though. Right. So, um, so Joey is dead and Chaz is dead. And, uh, and, Toby leaves the bar because he's sick of it and he's throwing it up in a trash can and he sees the killer leaving the bar and the killer's been taking heads and he's got him in Halloween bags. They're just dripping. Yeah. And he, Toby sees him and he's like, Oh, Hey, I saw you. I know you, you're the guy from the park and Hey, you know, what are you doing? How are you doing? What's going on? And the killer just like looks at him and like turns around and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Toby's like, wait, no, I don't usually look like this. I'm actually a very attractive man. And the killer looks at him and is like, no, and like walks away again. And so like literally Toby is begging to be murdered. It is the fun, like the funniest, weirdest. That actor blew that scene though. Just kind of didn't kind of phone that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. That should have been, I mean, I would have felt much more for him if we could have seen that, uh, the things that he was saying about, you know, no one looks at me and all that. That's that's deeper yeah. than how he presented it, I think. Well, I and I think that comes back around to the thing I was saying earlier, which is I, it, the idea that no one would look past the costume on Halloween to see the, you know, like I said, the guy is an objectively attractive man. Right, you know, and the idea that nobody would pay attention to that, and the other thing that comes in is this: here's one of the few things we get in terms of some kind of motivation for this killer, 
because as long as he's looking at someone who's dressed like a woman, he's walking away. But as soon as Toby pulls off his wig and pulls yeah. down the dress and shows that he's a man and just shows it, that's when the killer stops and comes back for him. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the few clues we have as to why this killer might be doing what he's doing. And it's, it, it, it's, it doesn't answer anything really, but it's like, you know, as long as, as long as Toby was, was wearing the wig, the killer was like, whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, we don't get any answers, but it's an interesting thing for the killer to react to. It's, it's, it's a very interesting moment. So yeah. So Toby dies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, so it's just Jake and, and Eddie now, and they're like, you know, all of their friends are gone. All, all Eddie's friends are gone. Jake. Don't they don't, friends. they don't know any of this though. Right. They've, you know, but not a party. And uh, so Eddie's like, I want to go find my friends. And Jake's like, Hey, how about you let your fully adult friends go have fun with their fully adult selves and you and I go have some fun. And he's like, oh, okay, but first I want to go check on Joey. And Eddie's like, fine, my motorcycle's back there anyway. Uh, so they get back to meet, and <laughs> and the cops are there, and they're like, hey, there was a, uh, you know, there was a stabbing here, and nobody can go in. And and Eddie's and Jake's like, my my motorcycle's in there, and uh, and he's like, I'm gonna go get it. And so he like jumps the fence to go get his motorcycle and Eddie is like, but I don't, I don't want to wait here by myself. And so he jumps the fence to go after him and, and he can't find him. So he heads back to the fence and Eddie's already on the other side with his motorcycle. And he's like, what are you doing? And Eddie's like, I just was like, you were taking a long time and I didn't know what was happening. And, and Jake's like, get over here, dummy. (laughs) (laughs) And so he tries it, but of course, Eddie's muscles are just for show and he can't climb the fence. Yeah, it was embarrassing for him. Yeah. And uh, and then Jake's like, hey, is that your friend? And Eddie looks just in time to see the killer approach and try and kill him. And so we get our first real chase of the movie, which, you know, is is Eddie running from the killer while, the you know, in the back of this bar. And then he's just about to be caught when Jake arrives with, uh, with the police in tow and saves him. And uh, well, we also get that moment where the the blade of the killer's scythe actually oh, right. touches, uh, which is every everywhere this movie is referenced on IMDb. That yes. is the still that they show. Oh yeah. Because I, just the idea of a really, really sharp object stabbing into your eye, just, mm. you know, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah people uh, have a thing about that. And then, of course, the fact that this is, this is actually Eddie's artificial eye. Right. Luckily. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's something that will play back into the film later as well. But, you know, this, there's, there's some decent moments of tension in this film. Yeah. So they, they get taken to the police station and Eddie's sister is there and they, you know, he kind of describes the guy and, and Eddie's, Eddie's main concern is like, look, I work here. You know, he says to his sister, don't let this, the, don't, don't, don't make this into a gay bashing, you know, because I work, I work here. It would ruin me to have that happen. And she's like, don't worry about it. I've got you. <laughs> so, so Eddie and Jake go 
go back to Eddie's. Oh, wait, wait. Let's just get a little moment here. As she's walking out of the room, she looks over at Jake, and she looks back at Eddie, and she's like, thumbs up. Like, right. yeah, he's hot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice little brother-sister moment. Right. She likes she likes that rough train, too. Yeah. yeah it could be that, too. Um, so they go back to Eddie's, and Eddie's like, I guess we're the first ones back. And Jake's like, you know what that means? A lot of sex with no kissing. Because <laughs> <laughs> every time Eddie tries to kiss him, he's like, no, 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 we don't do that. And, you know, which is like such a, well, such a closet case thing to do. You know, I bet you if we had had more, more learning stuff from Jake, we would learn that he was actually like from out of town. And was not uh, out wherever he lived. Maybe even had a little dumb girlfriend. Um, yes. He's one of the. He's actually one of the least developed characters in the film. Right. What if it was the actor who was like, "All right, I'll be in, I'll be a gay character in your movie, but I'm not kissing anyone." Well, so all of these all of these actors playing these char- these lead characters are straight. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays Joey is a bit of a character actor. I've seen him in other things. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, these guys actually all have decent working careers. Um, yeah, they're, they're all doing. The one who plays um, Chaz is a professor and an artist and a producer, and apparently he's like highly regarded in every field that he's in. He's <laughs> like a Renaissance man. Yeah, his his directing credits are pretty strong too. He's had um, some. He's had some good casts. Yeah. So I mean, there's these are these guys. These guys all did pretty well for themselves, especially. Yeah, and this is this is a, this is a weird thing that we can talk about a little bit later. But when you consider how many gay actors who came out as gay in the in the nineties uh, and and two thousands, uh, Rupert Everett springs to mind for example, mm. where they were they were big enough that they felt comfortable coming out at a time when it was still kind of questionable that you could get away with that and have not have a reaction, and their careers got derailed. Um, and then here are these, you know, these actors who do, a, I think, do a really good job of playing these characters believably, and yet, you know, they were straight, and they did, and it didn't really have an impact on their career in a negative way. Well, there's a there's a thing now, though. I mean, not really now. It's been going on a while. Where where uh, actors get really mad if you know if you have a gay character you should get a gay actor to play that gay character well well my, my opinion is is whatever it's for pretend who cares but there are like those who already feel disenfranchised don't want to be passed over for the straight guy right well not only that but there are there are openly gay actors now who are accepted as being really good actors who happen to be gay as opposed to a gay person who is an actor right and and because there are enough uh, actors who are who are gay and lesbian and transgender. Now, the idea that you don't have a acknowledged talent pool to draw from is a lot it's, shakier than it yeah. was before. Uh, right, because you know the ten years ago, the the number of trans actors was much mu- publicly trans actors was much smaller. Mm-hmm. Twenty years ago the number of out gay actors, gay and lesbian actors, was much smaller. 
to the oh, people guy. freaked out when Ellen kissed on that lady. Uh, yeah, I mean, and and you know, Rupert Everett it might be a bad example because it turns out he's a bit of an asshole. Well, there's that too. Um, but that's also uh, and hard to work to with. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, um, I, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the woman who directed Boys Don't Cry mm-hmm. was speaking at a college, and. The, there were trans students at the college who protested saying, why didn't you get a trans actor to play this part? And she was like, are you kidding? It was the nineties. Yeah. I would have never got this movie made if I had tried to, to cast a trans person. This story would never have been told if right. I had tried to cast the trans person. In this well, and I think that you look at some of this ends up being a cultural thing. You look at somebody like Ian McKellen, mm-hmm. very out, very proud, no question about it. It it it's not the first thing people think of when they think of him. They think Magneto, Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they they. But but he is he has been very open. But it's also a British thing in right. terms of being out, in terms of being a practicing actor. Where no matter your sexuality in the UK is a much more accepted thing than it is is even now in the US. So I mean it's it's a it's it's an arc. It's a process. But I also think that that for the fact that these these guys, you know, who, who they who they are in their lives, they they do a good job here. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that there's, you know, so uh, for as people who are as as romantically inclined or at least sexually inclined, there's not a whole lot of kissing in this movie. Right. Well, and I I can tell you that the whole well, we're not going to kiss thing is a real thing. Like, oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, that's pretty, pretty woman did that too. Well, I mean, guys have done that to me in my my hooking up life. Like, uh, okay. been like, oh no, I, I don't. No, we're not going to do that. So anyway, um, oh, they my- try and do a little sexy time, uh, but Eddie is is just just like so awkward. He's bad at this, right? And uh, so they go into the bedroom, and Jake's trying to be sexy. And he's like, "Oh, you got the the handcuffs on your your uniform. Let's let's tie you up to the bed." And and Eddie's like, "Okay, I guess we're doing this." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he gets handcuffed to the bed, and then he's like, "Will you go get some condoms?" And uh, and. And Jake's like, oh, okay. And so he goes to the bathroom to get some condoms. And it's the funniest line of the entire movie. He goes and he's like, we've got condoms. Condoms suck, but they keep you safe. (laughs) (laughs) And it's immediately followed by something that really kind of shows that for all of his kind of bluster, he's actually thinking about the guy he's got handcuffed to a bed because he takes some toothpaste and does the finger brush thing and the gargle and the stuff. He's he's making sure his breath smells good mm-hmm. when he does kiss him. I thought that was right. just like there's there's this mo- there's these little moments where Jake, who's kind of a jackass, um, has these little moments where you can kind of see why Eddie might be attracted to this guy. Mm-hmm. So the so he's about to go back into the bedroom when he starts to notice like oh and by the way while he's doing all this stuff in the bathroom the killer is in the uh in the shower and you, there's a couple of moments where you see his reflection in the mirror 
Eddie like hears something out in the front room and he goes out to check and then the windows open and he doesn't remember it being open before. And, and well, Jake uh, does. Eddie's still tight. Uh, still oh, right. to the bed. Um, He's dragged the bed into the living room. <laughs> here's an, here's another kind of funny thing that happens while, while Ed, uh, Jake is getting ready. Eddie is in the bedroom and he looks up at the, at the handcuff on his left wrist and he sees that it's kind of loose, and so he tightens it, which will come in come in later. He's like, "Oh, mm, that's better." Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jake is attacked by the killer, and it looks like he's killed because he's stabbed pretty badly here. Yeah, he's stabbed in the chest. And then the killer goes after Eddie in the bedroom, and Eddie's trying to get away, but he's handcuffed to the bed. Uh, and and right about the time that the killer's about to take him out, Jake comes in and hits him over the head with something. The killer over the head with something, and uh, and Eddie is able to pull one of his hands out of the handcuff, his right hand out of the handcuff. And try and and help tend to Jake's wounds. Well, the killer gets up, and of course now we have our final fight with the killer, where the where the final girl runs away and and has to try and outsmart him in a enclosed space, running all over his apartment, finding de- heads because the killer brought all of his roommates' heads with him. And you know he sees that Joey and Chaz and Toby are all decapitated. Not bad, not bad uh, uh, severed heads, by the way. Mm-hmm. They look good. So finally, Eddie gets back into his bedroom, is able to lock the door uh, and keep the killer out for a few seconds, basically long enough to put Jake on the, uh, on the fire escape and to try and retrieve his father's gun from, uh, from the closet. In the Tupperware. Right, it's in the Tupperware. And it's the funniest, like, I can't get this thing open moment as he's trying to, you know, get through the Tupperware lid to to get that uh, gun and load hey, it. They are, they are designed to be sealed for freshness, okay? <laughs> they are not meant to be opened easily. That's a, that's, that's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> right. <It's> a feature. <laughs> unless, of course, unless, of course, you have a murderer in your apartment trying to murder right. you, in which case it's, yes. it's a bit of a bug. So, um, so Eddie runs out onto the fire escape and the killer follows him and they fight on the fire escape and, and Eddie shoots the gun and, and, uh, and then you know the killer like pushes him over the balcony and the handcuff that he still has on his left wrist the the oh, dangly one from his right wrist hooks on the balcony and leaves Eddie hanging there. And uh, the gun is just a few inches away and he can't reach it with his right hand. And the killer goes after Jake and he's got him and he's got him kind of as a human shield when Eddie gets the gun. <laughs> and Eddie tries to shoot the killer and shoots Jake instead because as we remember, he has no depth perception. And, and so Jake's or Eddie's like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. And so he shoots and he hits Jake instead. And luckily that gives Jake the idea. And he says, shoot me. And, 
<laughs> and so Eddie a way to get an idea right there. Right. I guess, you know, at least he's a, at least he's a quick thinker, you know, yeah, damn it. Jake, Jake got, I mean, he's been stabbed in the chest and he's been shot somewhere. Also, Seriously, I think this, shit, this shit worked in lethal weapon too. Right. Worst <laughs> first date ever. Yes. <laughs> So so Eddie Eddie aims at Jake and hits the killer in the head in the head and uh they are saved and there's a kiss moment Oh did you he pokes his or did you get to the pokey eye part Oh, oh. Right, no we I missed that I skipped that when well, they're fighting on the on the balcony Yeah on the fire escape he um licks, he the killer licks the fake eye out of Eddie's head. Yeah, I mean, while it's in his head, and then he pops it out, and we're cr- treated to a pretty, a pretty eye, uh, empty eye socket effect. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty. It was pretty effective, right? Um, but it's like, ah, uh, yeah. Killer has an eyeball fetish. We did not need to know this. <laughs> so, um, so the, the killer is dispatched. And uh, and Eddie or Jake is going to the hospital, and uh, uh, and Jake's like, "Will you be there when I wake up?" And Eddie's like, "Yes, I will be there when you wake up." You look like a pirate. Yeah, because he's wearing an eye patch now. And so then you see uh, Eddie's sister wheeling the gurney with the killer on it, and she's like smack talking him. You know, you you know, you thought you were so big and so tough we've got you now or whatever and she's like hey let's take this mask off and the the paramedic is like nah you don't want to see under there uh it's probably pretty bad and uh and then the 80 notices that they're putting him in an ambulance instead of a coroner's van and he's like wait a minute he's still alive and uh the paramedic says yeah but he's probably no more dangerous than a carrot and and as the, <laughs> as the ambulance doors close, the killer's eyes pop open and his mouth opens and in his mouth is Eddie's eye. And the last thing we see is Eddie realizing that he's not dead or not, not a carrot. <laughs> it's like, just like Jamie Lee Curtis watching Michael get carted off. Yeah. Well, and, and this kind of plays into very much, if not, if not a Halloween film, it still has the same kind of beats that Halloween pioneered and a lot of slasher movies followed. Right. Which is, we've been saved. The, hero, the villain has been defeated. Or has he? <laughs> that, that didn't become a common trope until the sequel started making money. You know? Well, that and the, the uh, Friday the 13th films. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the end of... The end of Halloween is is Loomis looks out the window and and Michael Myers is gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, that's pretty seminal. Oh yeah, well, seminal. Semen. <laughs> We're we are the same mind, Curtis. <laughs> I think so. It yeah. It's this is this was this was a surprisingly especially considering that Dustin basically billed this to us. So as we're talking about films previously, what we're right. going to talk about this week, Dustin's we're like, Dustin's like, you know, you know, this is, 
why don't we talk about some of the gay horror films? And it's like, okay, well, sure. I think, I think it's, I think this, uh, this month is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Well, it'll if, be if they can all be this good. Um, but Dustin says, you know, oh, this, this, oh, this, this dumb little movie called Hellbent. We're like, yeah, sure. And it's like, this is actually a pretty decent movie, Dustin. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, like I said, I watched this movie when it came out, maybe, maybe a year after it came out in like 2005 mm-hmm. or something. And that was four, five, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I remember watching it and being like, oh my God, this is so stupid. It like, is so stupid, though. You're right. Yeah. Just, I mean, a critical look at it, and you're like, there's a lot of elements right about this movie. Right, exactly. Well, and, it's, it's stupid in the same way that a lot of slasher films are stupid. And it's, I believe, and part of it for me was, you know, at that time, I was not, like, I was so uninterested in this type of game person. Mm. Like, these party, you know, party hardy sort of you know super hot like whatever i mean playing it fast and loose right and i just you know that that whole part of the culture just really irritated me at that time it still irritates me a little bit now but in my older age i can i can respect that some people make that people make those choices when they're young right you know well i think the other thing is is that one of the reasons you may have had you know, less than a great memory of this movie is because aside from the fact that the, the, the leads are all gay and that the the setting is a a gay environment, there's not much else aside from that to make this film stand out from other slasher movies. Right. (laughs) Because it's the same structure. It's the same kind of characters. It just happens to be instead of, you know, and, but see the funny thing about, watching this movie with with fresh eyes as an older person and as a more you know accomplished filmmaker and and you know those things that were detriments to me then i can see as pluses now i can recognize that they were accurate with these guys these guys these 20 year old gay guys who just want to go out and have fun a good time and be with their friends and party and get laid and stuff that's okay Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I can, I can recognize that my, you know, early 30s self was being kind of an asshole about it. And the fact that it follows all these tropes is not a detriment. It's a selling point. It shows, you know, that these stories can be told, that this story can be told with any character. Right. You know, and so my memory of this movie is now changed and I can, I can recommend Hellbent and mean it now. Oh, and I recommend this film. If you're, if you're a fan of the slasher movie and, and you don't, cause some people do. Okay. Let's, I guess you have, I guess I have to give a warning. If you're uncomfortable with four male gay, gay male leads who are not played up as, they're not played any more as stereotypes than any other character in these kinds of roles are played up as stereotypes um, who are accessible characters who you could actually care about relatively quickly and have more depth than a lot of characters in these films do these kind of of slasher movies do, you know, if you're not comfortable with that, okay, fine. 
But if you if you're willing to take a chance, with that, you're uncomfortable with that. Why did you listen so ex- long? Like, I mean, exactly. thank you. But- <laughs> and, 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 and have you listened to our show before? Because this is not the first time we've talked about you know this sort of thing in in films and television. Uh, but you know, no, this is this is this is a solid little low budget slasher movie. I I think it's. I'd rather watch this than say probably half of the Nightmare on Elm Street films again, or half the Friday Thirteenth films again. Yeah, everything after three is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of. I, the, I don't. The, I I don't particularly recommend this one. No. 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 It's just not good enough. Mm. You know. And 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 I think I'm I'm trying to figure out. This is where I'm struggling. Did I not like this movie because I may be slightly homophobic? Or did I not like this movie because or because of uh of like the million other things that I thought were wrong with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, you know, that there were there was I mean, it's not by by any stretch of the imagination a perfect movie. Well, like I say, but- it's got I kind of feel the same way in my mind about if you were if you were to be forced to watch Hard Bodies for probably the thirtieth time, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> okay, once, it's just once, this, once that's you've for got past five times, uh, Curtis. I mean, once you've got past five times, are you really getting forced to watch Hard Bodies, or are you just <laughs> doing it? Okay, let's be honest now. All right, fine, fine. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that movie is for straight dudes of yeah, a sure. of, of a demographic, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's the same thing, and I don't like that movie for a lot of reasons too. Oh, because it's right. And as, as somebody who's as as committed to horror films as you are, you watch a lot of them, and you're a big fan. The fact that there are so many tropes in this movie is probably. I'd rather funny. point somebody to uh, to a movie that is great that's mm-hmm. like that, and then say, "Hey, if you want to see a gay version of that, there's one over there." Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that the, 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 one of the things that stands out for this, although it was not the first gay slasher film, although they, they build it as the first gay slasher film, they managed to leave out like three other movies that were before it, including High Tension, the French film. I almost said we should Ooh. watch that one. Um, oh, I'd be down for that for next week. If anybody yeah, we could do High Tension, okay. although, although uh, I'll, I'll get to the end of that movie and I'm sure I'll feel exactly the same way I felt about it the first time I saw it. Yeah. Um, which is a discussion to have. Too. I hope that you, like Dustin this week, have a change of heart. Um, I, I may very well. I think that the fact that they did this film with these characters using, you know, gay characters in place of, in place of the standard straight characters in this sort of cookie cutter storyline that a lot of slasher films have um, and made it work is something that, that is really good. Um, whether or not it's actually a good movie, um, it's an it's an okay slasher movie. I think the performances the performances kind of make this film actually work. Yeah, and like I thought, you said, I think I'd watch. I'd want to watch this again. And if if somebody said, "Hey, do you want to watch uh, Freddy's Dead, or do you want to watch Hellbent again?" I'd be like, "I can we can watch Hellbent again." <laughs> Because <laughs> Freddy's Dead is not good. Now, if it was a choice between this and Wes Craven's new ni- uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare, yeah, I'd go different. with Wes Craven's new Nightmare. But 
let's see if it was this or what was the one you said, Dustin? Freddy's dead. Yeah, I'd watch this again too. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see, you know, to say there you go. Yeah. So there we go, folks. I think that's, you know, hey, we're it's it's a place for us to start. There is a lot of other films we can dive into here, and we're going to throughout this entire month as we dive into an area that because Dustin and I and and of course we're glad to have Curtis back for a lot of time when Dustin and I have been talking about the Walking Dead universe, which has its own issues of representation. Because mm-hmm. uh, Georgia Oh, they always kill off somebody if there's if there's too many black guys, one of the black guys has to go. It's well, it's because very few black people live in Georgia. Right. Um, <laughs> we established early on in the series. And, and I'm not saying many, don't watch it. It's just we're on to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and well, they've actually kind of stopped doing that. But now it's like, uh-oh, we've got six gay characters. Time yeah. to keep them in the herd. <laughs> Can't have too many in one place. Otherwise, you know, they'll rise up and take over the world. Everyone knows that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a thing with The Walking Dead, but that doesn't mean there aren't um, some really interesting horror films out there that we can talk about, and we're going to. So, thank you, Dustin, for actually bringing up this idea. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. So there we go, folks. I think that's two recommendations for Hellbent and one. Uh, unless you have it's a half. Unless you have half. something better, and I to would watch. say that mine is yeah, yes, exactly. If you've got something better to watch, watch that. But yeah. if you're just feeling like you and your buddies want to you know, watch a pretty standard slasher that's got just a little tiny bit of something extra and you're not squicked out by dudes with their shirts off. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, that, that still describes a bunch of 80s and 90s movies yeah. uh, in, the, in the horror genre. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, we will do this again next week with High Tension. So if, 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 you're, if you're interested, if there's films that you think that we should be watching, certainly in, in this genre, as we, as we explore some of these films throughout this month, uh, let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you're calling it now, uh, and uh, uh, podcast.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. You can follow Dustin and I on Twitter. We're more than happy to talk to folks about this show and any films and, and genre stuff you'd like to talk about. Um, so yeah, if you could share the show, that would be great. Give us a rating. These are all good things to get more people to listen to the show. And we love having an audience. So um, as always, we thank you for listening. Dustin, thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. And Curtis, thank you so much. Thank you. And again, folks, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions. <laughs>